0: Open our ears, open our hearts, Lord. Prepare us for what you have in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. Starting in verse 25 says, See that you don't refuse him that speaks. For if they escape not, who refused him that spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven. It's the Holy Spirit that speaks from heaven. He speaks to men and women. He speaks through men and women. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven (laughs) And this word yet once more signifies the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made or created, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, since we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. If I were to title this, the Holy Spirit put on my heart, are you fully awake? Are you fully awake? Are you ready for whatever God is bringing to your life, to this world? Are you living in such a way that if everything that's familiar to you, that is comfortable to you, is shaken. If it's shaken, if it's taken away, are you ready to stand? Are you ready to stand? And the only way that can be true is if you're living before God in faith, in grace, and in true surrender. Your life given to God. When Daniel... Daniel lasted through three different kingdoms. Daniel was more had more longevity than the Persian empire, the Medes and the Persians, the Greeks. He he had longevity because he sought the face of God and he was in full surrender. He had nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. He wasn't afraid of dying. He wasn't he didn't care if they, if they rewarded him with gold chains and, and with, with uh, robes. He didn't care. He was completely trusting and surrendered to God. Kingdoms came and went. This man was a rock. When he was called to interpret the writing on the wall, many, many tekel a parson, nobody knew what it meant, They had just had a big celebration, right? Let's look at it. Daniel. Help me out here. What is this where he is, where he says he interprets the dream, the writing on the wall? Um, is it Daniel 5? Uh, Daniel 5? 2, no. Oh, yeah. it. What is it? it. Oh. <laughs> you, you said you got it. That It's different than I'll find it. Okay. Um, Daniel 5, 5. No, it's Daniel later in the chapter. It's later in the chat. Oh, you're right. It's 5-5. In the same hour, I should listen to the Holy Spirit because he said Daniel 5. And I was just like, I don't see it. Help me. (laughs) Daniel 5-5. In the same hour came forth fingers. Well, actually, let's go a little bit earlier. Belshazzar, verse 1. The king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine commanded to bring the golden and the silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold, of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone." They took the articles of God that were used for holy worship and they made a mockery of it. They put wine in it. They got into a drunken festival and they praised, it says they praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass and iron and wood and of stone, all the precious things with which to build the kingdom. They praised those gods with the articles of the true and living God. And it says, In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and rode over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw part of the hand that rode, and the king's countenance was changed. And the thoughts of it, his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees knocked one against the other. His countenance was changed. His visage was changed. He went from being happy and joyful to being terrified, and rightfully so. The fingers of the man's hand, what does it say? It says that they, they called for the magicians. They couldn't interpret it, and then they, they remembered Daniel. And it says in verse 12, in verse 11, there's a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods and in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods was found in him whom the king of King Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, the father, thy father made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans and soothsayers for as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel. It says, then they brought Daniel in before the king. And Daniel had no fear of this man because he feared God. He didn't care about the reward. He didn't care about any punishment. He knew his God. He lived fully awake in full surrender to this living God. He lived without distraction. And he served God. And he reminded He reminded Belshazzar about his father and his father's pride and how God humbled him and how then his father glorified God and gave him praise. And then he says in verse 22, and thou his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this, But you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven and they have brought vessels of his house before thee and thou and thy lords and thy wives and thy concubines have drunk wine in them and they've praised the gods of silver and gold of brass and iron, wood and stone which you see see not, nor hear, nor know and the God in whose hand thy breath is in whose are all your ways you have not glorified. Then was the part of the hand sent from him and this writing was written and this is the writing that was written. Many, many, tekel a parson. This is the interpretation of the, of the thing. Many, God has numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and is given to the Medes and the Persians. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet, put a chain of gold about his neck, and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be third ruler in the kingdom. In that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, killed. And Darius the Mede took the kingdom, being about 62 years old. You see, nations come to, can come to a place where they take the blessings that God has poured on them and they mock God. They mock him. And there comes a point of no return when God says, I will judge this nation. And to God, nations are small. It says in Isaiah, the nations are as a drop in the bucket. They're as the small dust on the balance. They, they, don't, even, they don't even make a difference to God. A little dust on the balance. He's like, it doesn't go up or down for me. I can change a nation like that. I can change a kingdom like that. I want to ask you, what? where will you be? Where will you be if in one night everything changes? Where will you be in your heart, in your life, in your mind? Will you be given to fear? Or will you say, I know this God of whom I've built my life upon. I have nothing to lose because I've already given him my life. And whether I die or whether I live, I'm the Lord's. I live for his glory. You see, a man like that, a woman like that, a child like that has greater stability with God than kingdoms and nations. A person like that can be preserved through one, two, three kingdoms like Daniel. But Daniel would have been content to die for his Lord or to live for his Lord, to wear the, the royal garment or to not wear it. It didn't matter to Daniel because he had a single eye and his life was surrendered to the glory of God. When we read in Hebrews, the writer was quoting from Haggai the prophet. So if you have your Bible, turn to Haggai, I believe it's chapter 2, Haggai 2, 22, or 21 and 22, and whoever's working the booth, it looks like you're getting verses up for me, so thank you. What? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with the writing on the wall, I don't know if you already answered this, but you know how it's just like many, the any and twice. Is there any like significant trying to emphasize that or something? So Aidan's question is many was said twice, many, many, Techela Parson. When God says something twice, it means he is double emphasizing it, it means it is determined. And it, it, he's saying, verily, it's like Jesus saying, truly, truly, I say unto you, it's like, pay attention. This is the truth. You've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. The kingdom is departed from you. Haggai 2.21 It says, speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth, and I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of kingdoms of the heathen. I will overthrow the chariots and those that ride in them, and the horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. This is, this is the same prophecy that Hebrews is repeating. In verse 21, I will shake the heavens and the earth. How will he do this? He says, I will overthrow kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen. I will overthrow their, their armies, their chariots, those that ride in them, and everyone by the sword of his own brother. God saying, I will bring division, I will bring war. That's what it is. When, when he says, I will, the sword against sword, brother against brother, he's saying, I will put enmity between men, between nations, and kingdoms will fall. Kingdoms will fall. Look at verse 17. He says, I smote you with blasting, with mildew, and with hail, and all the labors of your hands, yet you turn not to me. God's saying, I tried I tried, I tried to warn you, I chastened you, but you wouldn't turn or come to me. So the the shaking in the end of times is what Hebrews is talking about. The shaking of everything that can be shaken, man's kingdom, flesh's kingdom, it's all gonna crumble. And the only thing that's gonna last or stand is that which can't be shaken, which is God's kingdom. It's that which is of the spirit. The only thing that's going to stand in you and me when things get hard and things get tough, and I believe they're going to get very tough, the only thing that's going to stand is what's built of Christ, what's built of the Spirit, what we've given to Him. Everything else is going to crumble. Look at uh, Mark thirteen two. And then we're going to look at Matthew 24. Actually, I'm going to put my finger in Matthew 24. When a nation, even God's chosen nation, Israel, rejected Messiah as a whole... It was a matter of time before the nation was destroyed. When they said, look at the stones on the temple, Master, Mark 13, 2, it says, And Jesus answering said unto him, Do you see these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. He was referring to the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. Nations run their course, and when they turn from God... Their time has come to an end. They've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. And God can turn kingdoms over with a breath, with a word. Psalm 20, or Matthew 24 says this. <clears throat> they said, when will be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? Matthew 24, 3. And then he said, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, or I am the anointed, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. Don't be troubled. You're going to hear of wars. You're going to hear rumors of wars. Don't be troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Verse 7. For nation will rise against nation, that's ethnos against ethnos, that's people group against people group, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, food shortages, and pestilences, diseases, and earthquakes in various or diverse places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. That means they're pre-labor. It's not, you're not yet into the great tribulation. So he's saying before the tribulation, before Christ returns, there's going to be these troubles on the earth, these shakings, these kingdoms fighting against kingdoms, kingdoms falling, kingdoms rising. There's going to be great shakings. And in the seven-year tribulation period, the kingdoms of men will come to dust, come to nothing, and Christ will reign. Over all the earth and there will be no more war. There will be no more weapons. There will be no more uh, military industry. There will be no more bombs. There will be no more destruction. But the Prince of Peace will rule forever. And we're going to rule reign with him. What an incredible thing. But he says, when you see and when you hear these things, when you see them begin to happen, do not let your heart be troubled. Why? Because we've already given him our lives. And he said, in this world, you'll face tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I give you my peace. I'll walk with you. I'll give you a song in the night. No matter how dark it is, no matter how much confusion's in the world, he says, I will be with you. I'll be with you. Psalm 46. This became my favorite psalm when I read it the other day. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountain shake with the swelling thereof, he says, if everything crumbles, if everything that seems solid in the world, in your life, crumbles in one day, he said, We will not fear. If it's if the waters are of the earth and the world, the natural things are swelling, he says in verse 4, there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. There's a river of God that flows for God's people, even in the midst of turmoil and chaos and upheaval and everything changing. There's a river of God, and that river is Christ. It's His Spirit, and it's peace. It's peace. He said in Isaiah 26, 3, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. How do you keep your mind on something that you don't have affection for? Christ is not an object. He's the lover of our souls. And when you love him, when you become a worshiper, let me tell you something. It's the worshiper's who are going to have the greatest peace when things get hard. It's the worshipers. It's the ones who love his presence, who love him because in his presence is fullness of joy. And in his presence, he pushes out darkness. He pushes out fear and gives us a peace that passes understanding. My friend, what what will you do if we wake up one day And everything has changed. What what will you do if we wake up and the nation has fallen? You say, that's impossible. That couldn't happen. That's what they thought. They were drinking and having a party. Little did they know the next day their nation was going to be turned over. What will we do? Are you fully awake? Are you saying, God, I need to hear your voice. I need to be a worshiper. I need to know this river of God that brings peace, that keeps me from fear. God is in the midst of her. Verse 5, she shall not be moved. God will help her. And that early, right early, the break of day, God comes through for his people. He's not a God who's good and and faithful and gives us peace in the times of prosperity and peace and then abandons his people in trouble. No, no. His glory shines brighter when the days are darker. So we should be excited. We should be excited about change coming. And we should be fearful, fearing God and saying, God, let me be hidden in you. Let all my life be hidden in you. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he has made in the earth or what destructions he's made in the earth. He's going to gather all nations together to fight against each other and then to fight against Israel. But it says in verse 9, He makes wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He cuts the spear in sunder. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. God says it looks like the nations are in control. It looks like the heathen are in control. It looks like mighty nations are in control. Don't believe that. God has set his king upon his holy hill. God is in control. He says, be still. Still yourself. Quiet yourself. Get alone with God. And know that he is God. He will be exalted among the heathen. He will be exalted in the earth. Guess what, guys? This life that we have, this isn't it. This isn't it. If we live with prosperity until all of us die, this is not it. This isn't it. This isn't our home. America is not our final nation. We are citizens of another country. Right. I want to be like Daniel. That when God says, this is my judgment, I think Daniel was as cool as a cucumber. He's just like, God, what's your word? Oh, here's the finger writing on the wall. Holy Spirit showed him this is what it means. Your kingdom is divided. Your kingdom is over. Oh, here's your, here's your rewards. I think He just sat there like a mannequin. <laughs> he could care less. He could care less if they had killed him or if they had rewarded him. That's the kind of confidence we can have when our life is fully in God. When we're not saying, no, I got to keep this, preserve this, have this. I'm surrendered to you, God. That's when the peace that passes understanding is reality in your life. That's when your heart and mind and affections are on him, not on the things here. Let's pray. Father, only you know, God, what the future holds. But Lord, your word says that you, you do nothing except you reveal it to your prophets. I pray that you'd raise up Men and women of God that will hear your voice and know what's going to happen before it happens, God. Not so they can have a show or or a limelight, but Lord, that they would know. They would know like Daniel did, what the signs of the times are, what the word of God is, what you're doing in the spirit. Father, I pray that you'd wake up the sleeping church. Wake up the sleeping church. Wake us up where we are sleeping, God. Wake us up, God, where we are not fully surrendered to you, God. Lord, fear can't reside in a heart that's surrendered to you, Jesus. So, my God, make it so there's no room for fear in us, Lord. Bring us into full surrender, God. Bring us into full surrender that we might glorify you, that we might walk, Lord, as Daniel walked as a light, Lord. A man, one solitary man, shining, Lord, among nations, God. Lord, use us for your glory. Use us in this hour, Lord. We've been born for such a time as this. Not by chance, not by accident. You have caused the end of the ages to come upon us. So God, use us for your glory, Lord. Let us not walk with any fear, but except for the fear of God. Lord, we glorify you. We praise you, Jesus. May we be virgins, Lord, that are wise. May we be virgins that are ready with oil in our lamps. In Jesus' name. Amen.